Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beautiful morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gold Jr. That is me. Back for a Wilder Wednesday. Our dear sweet friend, Charlotte Wilder. Charlotte, how we living? I'm great, Mike. How are you? Uh, you're glowing here. I, I mean, the middle part is just radiating the different energy from your body right now. You know, I have to tell you, I've never had a haircut that has changed my life. Like, I've never had it. I've never gotten a haircut and been like, oh, I have a different personality now. Um, but I got this haircut and I was like, I think I'm cooler than I was an hour ago. But I'm also not because I'm saying that I'm cooler because of a haircut. But it has unlocked some level of uh, of like 70s rocker in me that I never dreamt was even in there. 
the perfect ad to make sure you not only download, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, leave it a five-star rating, but also check out the DraftKings YouTube channel today under the Gojo of Mike Golick Jr. pod. You're not going to want to miss Charlotte giving big rock hair <laughs> energy right now. Charlotte, the only thing I have to relate to that yes. is the confidence I felt it had to be Halloween 2017 or 2018. Mm-hmm. The fine folks at Dr. Pepper saw fit to send me the outfit. You remember Lil Sweet and those Dr. Oh, yeah. Pepper ads? Oh, yeah. Justin Guarini? Oh, a, 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 an absolute triumph. That's Sweet. who that is, right? Riding down the banister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, it swept me off my feet, and I don't know if they saw me spam tweeting about Little Sweet or what, but they sent me an oversized Dr. Pepper can size container with the Little Sweet costume in it for oh Halloween. And I got it at work, and I went in the green room at ESPN Radio, and I put on the whole costume, which had like fishnet gloves and a, like a, a silver jacket and all this stuff, and a Dr. Pepper colored wig. Now, I was already hair compromised at that point. <laughs> and so putting that wig on for the rest, because I wore it through the rest of the show that afternoon, the rest of the day, I had not felt that powerful in years. So I, I felt the rock hair energy that you're talking about, and it made such a difference in how I carried myself. It really it, it really does. I also think I remember that. You must have posted a picture or something. Me posting I mean, pictures on the internet you, of free shit I have, got? No. You, you must have put something on the internet. Also, I have several thoughts about that story. First of all, I feel like we're old as shit if it, like, you can say something in 2017. And I'm like, I remember when you did that. And I'm like, that feels longer ago. That feels like five lifetimes ago and we knew each other then. We did that the pandemic doubling time at that point. It's yeah. sort of like when they try and explain uh, wormholes in movies. Yes. <laughs> that two year, three year span was a wormhole that brought us to this point. Absolutely feels old as shit. Yeah. Um, weird. But yes, I think I remember that you looked amazing. Also, the amount of stuff that brands just have made and like send to people and have lying around like the merch, you know, the devil works hard, but the merch team at Big Brands works harder. Speaking of the merch team, by yes. the way, yes. uh, shout out to our friend of the podcast. I need to go pull up who this was that took us up on our project to have fans give us merch ideas that we could take credit for. And Charlotte, your appearance last week apparently inspired a lot of people to go out there and create. Uh, this is at Lindsey Crumb on Twitter who created a mock-up for the Big Sweetie collection that would be the Charlotte Wilder collection here at the Gojo Pod. Uh, remarkable you can check it out at gojo show on twitter where we tweeted out but charlotte already leaving a legacy i'm i that was i was so moved i was like i first of all love the design it's like a ringer t sort of baseball script big sweetie i love that i still think that the the jersey big sweetie could also be good um i think i was very i was thrilled that people um that anyone out there latched on to the big sweetie uh, concept because I think it's very important in sports and you never know right because like behind the scenes there are a lot of people who are not big sweeties but like if you give off big sweetie energy that is something to be celebrated 
It's one of the nicest things that someone can say to you as a larger man who is constantly moved through life trying to soften myself when I meet people so as not to be intimidating. The the goal is to produce big sweetie energy, especially in a work environment. You are you are a big sweetie. Brandon is a big sweetie. There is so much big sweetie energy on this podcast. Um I think I'm tall, so maybe I'm a big maybe I'm a big sweetie. Um but I don't think I am. I think it's a very specific. I think I think you know, you know a big sweetie when you see one. You know what? And that's what I mean. I think you emanate big sweetie. I always tell this. I've said that Mina Kimes is an honorary offensive lineman, not in stature, but in the girth of her heart for years. And I would say, Charlotte, you are absolutely an honorary big sweetie, if not in stature, then at very least in energy, which is why you are a perfect addition to this show Wednesday of every week. And we do have a great show uh, for everyone today. We have got uh, some troubling headlines coming out of Cardinals land. The draft conversation is going to have to take a back seat for them. Uh, Charlotte's favorite team may be shopping their quarterback, but before we get to any of that, Charlotte, back out here writing right now, the wilderthings.substack.com for everybody that wants to see the musings of our friend Charlotte Wilder. What, what made you feel like you wanted to get back to the keystrokes? You know, I have... It's so interesting because I I can't believe I did it. I think that was one of the scariest things I've ever done is pulling the trigger and like pressing publish and send on that first post and like actually setting it up and seeing people sign up and and thank you so much to everybody if you're listening if you've if you've subscribed. Um, there's something that feels very intimate about it, um, but it's actually the wilder things. The reason that that is my handle across Twitter, across Instagram, um, is because in 2009, when I was a junior in college, I started a blog. I started a blog called thewilderthings.blogspot.com, and I posted on that until like. 20 I, I posted obsessively until like 2011 and was like trying to use it to get a job but then I kept going until like 2013 and then I, I took it offline because I was like I don't really want what I wrote when I was you know 19 not that it was bad it was just corny um which will shock nobody but I let 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 who among us is without corny posting yeah. in their late teens cast the first stone on that. I, I going back and looking at when Facebook just had the Mike you know Mike Golick is prompt and what you would put up there freely of your own volition about your boring life was incredibly traumatizing to look back on. So I understand where those posts are coming from, and you should not feel bad because we were all in it together. Yeah, exactly. It's like nobody should have to... First of all, it's growth, which I like. I like to think that you can grow as a person. You look back and you see how far you've come. Um, but yeah, so I, I miss that sort of intimate um, reader relationship. Like I, I would become friends with people who would comment and it was the weird days of like, it wasn't totally the blog heyday. Like I think I missed it slightly, but I also was trying and it was really nice to just develop this feel like I there was a little I I don't know if community is the right word because I hate that in relation to like social media but it was a little a little crew that was really fun um and so I'm sort of trying to bring that back and I also want to you know a place to write my love is blind takes or you know like my Stevie Nicks rabbit hole and um 
mix it in with some sports stuff. So just change it up a little bit. Throw some large ships, buildings, and planes in there, and you've really got the Charlotte cocktail. I really should. You know, and like, it's my party. I can write about airplanes if I want to. Damn right. We all support <laughs> that. So everyone should make sure they subscribe. Charlotte, your first post actually ended up being about what went on in the Women's National Championship game, which was a whole lot of great basketball and then a very racially divisive uh ode to trash talk that the internet decided to sweep up which is always just a gem always super fun yeah i i i wanted to write that because i wanted to i don't know we'd been talking about it i guess last week and um i had said at the time how much i loved that caitlin clark was trash talking and i think that a lot of people didn't it turns out a lot more people didn't like it when angel reese did it than when caitlin clark did it but they've both subsequently come out today and said or yesterday rather and said you know caitlin clark was like i have no beef like don't you don't need to defend me like i love i expected this like what are you talking about and angel reese was like i think it's a bummer that it's turned into like black women against white women and that we you know i don't have beef with caitlin and she was like at the same time i have to stand up for my people so it, it hearing from that i was fine i was like let's just hear from them and then we can all just be like do whatever you want it, it's it's such a great point and you made this point i saw nicole arbach make this point that like these aren't people that need saving Caitlin Clark does not need people white knighting on her behalf to come in and talk about how big and bad this moment was. It's laughable that her, one of the alpha competitors walking planet Earth right now, would need anyone to take up for her. And I'm glad, yeah, she went on outside the lines and was like, yeah, this is ridiculous. Let's stop talking about it, which was awesome. Yeah, the whole, there was like a level of patronizing to the whole thing too um that i just was like oh my god like i i saw some clip of like three guys on a radio show debating you know did angel reese take it too far and i was like oh yeah you guys are the perfect ones like yeah. i'm so i'm so glad you're weighing in tell me tell me how we should feel also like when people get so riled up about something especially college athletes do on the court i'm like let like how does that affect you I'm like, honestly, how, like, unless it's something like, you know, truly horrible, I'm that like, just don't you like watching fun competition? Like what is going on? It, it, Katie Nolan always talks about the way with sports we turn recess into homework and in this case we turn <laughs> trash talk into a Dan Orlovsky NFL live take breakdown where we're like what, what direction did she wave into versus what direction did Caitlin Clark wave into and which one of them was looking for how long and did she follow her and it just became so completely ridiculous like you said for a bunch of people that were in no way harmed directly by the situation yeah and nobody was harmed by the situation. It's like, right. Okay. It's like at the end of a movie. No one was harmed in the making of this taunt. We're good. Right. Right. Like LSD was a national championship. Like, okay. I don't know. I was, I was, I was mad that Kim Mulkey wouldn't get off the court, but I wasn't mad about much else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was about the only thing we were all like, yeah, we could do without that. But the rest of this pretty cool. And now yeah. sets us up for even more personality and storytelling around the sport. Like we feel, we get both of these players back next year, which is I, an insane thing to comprehend. When I realized that Mike, cause I didn't quite, I knew they weren't seniors, but I didn't like, 
you know when you have like a thought and a thought and those thoughts actually should combine but they don't and then the minute they do you're like oh my god they're coming back um that was a very exciting moment the 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 lights came on and we're all like wait a minute we can get them to play again and this would be dope and like that's the that's the basis of college sports right and its heart is when it's been at its best and i think we've all seen this now it's not disparaging one and dones it's not disparaging transfer players this lsu team was made up of nine transfer players who came together like voltron and just started kicking people's asses but (laughs) it's this idea that people are around for long enough to uh, for us to get to know them and to get to tell the stories like when i call a game that's my job every week is if you're just parachuting in, get you caught up on the stories. And shout out to Holly Rowe, Rebecca Lobo, Ryan Rucco, Andrea Carter, Ari Avery, all of the women and people around the sport who helped everyone play catch up. People who may not have been dedicated and diehard women's college basketball fans. Like big events always necessitate a little bit more generalizing and a little bit more backstory. I yeah. even mentioned that at WrestleMania. They would run these background clips that would get me all caught up on the storylines and why so and so was mad at such and such and the work that everyone did around the women's tournament and the final four to help i think create a bunch of new fans who are now interested in this that just goes to show you that when you combine that with characters that are around for long enough for us to build up mythology man you get some cool stuff totally totally i i've been so impressed by um ryan and and rebecca and holly and andrea the the whole i mean they're the best of the best. Like Holly Rowe, it, it, being a sideline reporter is so difficult to get. She she understands how to make something interesting in the smallest amount of time possible, which I don't think people realize how hard that is when you're, especially when you're interviewing a, a very emotional person. Um, she knows exactly what to ask to get at the heart of what she knows everybody at home wants to know and hear. Um, and also just Rebecca Lobo, when she talks about the game, um, I feel like I become 30 times smarter. It's just the most, it's like the highest level analysis with the most accessible entry point. Um, and it's just a joy. And, and I think also that that just goes to show how much the media how much the media matters in in furthering the fan base of a sport and um you know i know kate fagan has an amazing ted talk about this about the about narrative and and the stakes and the narratives and and how for so long so few women have been the only ones who get you know like serena williams had to carry all of women's sports for a certain Mm -hmm. amount of time and so I just think it's really, really exciting um, that the viewership numbers were so high. I, I hope that just keeps growing. And um, I hope someone pays a lot of money to broadcast the, the women's game when those rights are up. Man, you're not kidding. I think I saw the guys on the Levitard show discussing this yes. yesterday about a new revenue stream like this popping up. Like, women's sports in general as we've seen softball always does monster numbers in the spring it's such a great broadcast product the strides that the w has made not only with their collective bargaining agreements in recent years but we see like the general interest in that league now as you've got super teams forming in new york and las vegas and you've got these recognizable names and faces that we know and that does it's like one of the last remaining areas for real growth if you're a television partner if you're an advertising partner where you're not at this already oversaturated market and could really watch this pick up steam 
with all of the compelling stories that are now starting to get told more and more. And there's been people doing the work for years. I don't want to minimize that. Like I'm one of the people that's coming in late. I've been fortunate to be around a lot of women, you know, my former co-host and Chinea Gwumike and people that have been furthering this cost cause through their actions, through their coverage. I don't want to minimize that. It's just great that now the larger powers around these sports are starting to hand them a megaphone and say, we're going to allow you to give what you've got this knowledge to even more people. Oh, totally. I mean, the only reason that, that the game is in a position to keep growing is because of the reporting that so many great journalists um, and broadcasters have been doing um, long, you know, I started watching women's basketball late, probably like 2018. Um, and I, you know, even then not hadn't been diehard for a while. And, and so I am also like you, I think. Um, and sometimes I feel bad or guilty about that. And I think all, you know, all we can do going forward is, is, is celebrate it and acknowledge the people who've, who've been there doing that work which is very very important and then have people stop parachuting in like dumb asses and trying to ruin everyone's good time keith oberman yeah oh, um oh so my god buddy. yeah eggs say we can we can leave we can leave that alone because those people don't deserve our time right now but no. like you said it's it, there's a lot of positive momentum it was really fun to watch it is a great reason to go and subscribe to the wilder things Substack, and make sure you're getting more fun stories uh and tales told like that so all right guys let's talk about jägermeister they could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Charlotte, from that to unfortunately something that is a lot less fun. Here's a fun uh, transition. Yeah, Jesus. man. I, thank God for music beds that usually help this out. Yeah. Because <laughs> the Arizona Cardinals are... Uh, in it now uh yet another ownership group under fire for poor conduct here as arizona cardinals owner michael bidwell has been accused of gross misconduct including cheating discrimination and harass harassment in an arbitration claim filed on tuesday by former cardinals executive terry mcdonough to nfl commissioner roger goodell and it is a lengthy group of accusation which include the allegations of cheating that involved former cardinals head coach steve wilkes and terry mcdonough alleging to have been left with no choice but to follow bidwell's plan to use burner phones to communicate with uh, then suspended 
Cardinals GM Steve Keim while he was suspended for an extreme DUI in Arizona. There were also counts of him berating minority employees and pregnant women uh, who were employees on the staff, as well as other conduct that Charlotte, we've seen stories pop up far too often, especially as of late, of the kind of conduct going on in the workplaces of these organizations. And the Cardinals' statement in response was lengthy. I mean, you want to talk about a real attempt, and I mean, I think a lot of places do this pretty purposely, a real attempt at a TLDR on the timeline where people will look at the length of this document and say, this is not worth me reading, no matter how heinous the cause is. But essentially, the TLDR of that was a lot of mudslinging back from the Cardinals of accusations of Terry McDonough's contact yeah. conduct of recorded conversations of his treatment of employees around that facility and really trying to turn this into a battle of public disparaging of credibility on both sides and I think Charlotte for me this mm-hmm. underscores the importance of things like the NFLPA report card that we saw like yeah. that might have seemed like a little thing to a lot of people and a bit of a game because you've got letter grades for all of these different things but one of the accusations that Terry McDonough levied the way of Michael Bidwell was that there was an internal survey given to employees there that when some of the criticisms were seen on those were done away with by ownership, locked away. Now, the Cardinals claim that they didn't throw those out, that they actually used those to inform decisions that they made, but we don't know that at this point because we didn't see any of that in the public. These grades and these conversations that the NFLPA struck up are important because it's all out on front street. You can go in and see a detailed report card of every team. And when you look at the Arizona Cardinals ranked 31st, where among other places, like I saw Mina Kimes point out, they received failing grades was in the treatment of families and other areas that were in that support role around the organization. It does make you wonder how much we miss that is going on like this in organizations, just because we have so many of these things that pop up that we've got to keep our eyes on yeah no i i agree i think the 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 fact that those report cards and all and that is public regardless of something like this bubbling up and it's just sitting there out in the open and everyone's like well the cardinals have a failing grade when it comes to how they treat families like you know and and i understand that they're again there's so much going on it's not like it, it's hard to be it's hard to get to these things before they happen in the media um i think the best reporters do and that's when we get those really important stories um but i think something that that struck me about the cardinals response was terry mcdonough said he he said he has the receipts he said he has the burner phone that he was forced to use to that he and Steve Wilkes were forced to use to communicate with Steve Kime. He says he has all these things, and so I think it's a it's a fascinating strategy to me to come out swinging so hard at someone who usually these they these claims are not from nowhere. I will say right. um, it's all alleged like a, a, you you don't you don't know. But that combined him saying he has receipts combined with the fact that they did get that failing grade um, and with the thing is consistent with the things that he's alleging the Cardinals and um, Bidwell have done. I I was shocked to see 
the Cardinals come out swinging so hard and really disparage. And and they said, I have it here. They said um, he. Terry, during his time with the team, despite difficulties in his personal life and his often volatile demeanor towards colleagues, um, that's a real shot across the bow. Yes. That's like a, that's, 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 if that turns out not to be true, you have just, is that libel? I don't know that, but that, those are strong words that I think um, it, it all is blowing my mind a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a reminder that when we see futility from organizations in the way their on-field product executes, it's often the result. And usually local fan bases will be able to tell you like this is the biggest part of the disconnect between national and local when it comes to media and fans is yeah. most places with bad teams will tell you, yeah, just look up top. The fish rots from the head down. And as we've seen an organization that we went through last year before the season with Kyler Murray and all the public back and forth and all of the mudslinging that went yeah. on around clauses in his contract and the relationship between him and Kime and his coach at the time and it all of that constantly being at the helm the firing of an offensive line coach over impropriety that went on uh when they were out of the country playing in the game in mexico city steve keim and the dui suspension that's part of the heart of this right all of these things especially as we think about what we've dealt with an organization like the washington commanders it should not surprise you because it's very hard to have a successful operation when you've got the kind of reported fear that most people are operating under inside the organization. And that was one of the parts of the filing that said, quote, many of the employees who responded to that survey we mentioned indicated that they were fearful of Bidwell on a daily basis as the result of Bidwell's erratic and often abusive interactions with them. And so, like you said, Whatever version of the truth lies in all of this, as both sides have tried to make this, uh, he said, he said, with mm -hmm. receipts that we hear alleged, that we hear talked about as evidence, what we do get still is a picture of complete disarray inside this building by wh whoever you believe talking in this case. Yeah, and, and I think the thing that is, you know, look, under capitalism, if money is the thing that motivates you, um, you can say, or quote you, Bidwell, this is bad business. This is extremely bad business. And the people, I think that there's something so sad to me about the people who are who end up hurt by this uh, are, is not going to be Bidwell, probably not going to be McDonough. It, it's the pregnant people that were disparaged. It's the black people who were treated badly it's the employees who are too scared to um enact to do their jobs with the dignity that they deserve to do them with and you see that on the field like the talent inside that building not just on the field are the are the people who bear the brunt of this and the people who are the ones who suffer most because of it and who have the least amount of power and so i think that kind of management, it, it, it drives me crazy because it's like, not only are you harming people, which is the, mo the most important thing is that people are being harmed in this situation. Um, it's also like if, if Bidwell, if all these billionaires who own these teams are, are motivated by money, 
then their cruelty is in in direct conflict with fostering an environment where you can have a successful team. The problem with that, though, is there's almost never a true punishment on the other side, because even if you get in a situation where these people are forced to sell, and we saw this with Robert Sarver in the same market in the Phoenix Suns, you get to sell and make a couple of billion dollars. Even with Daniel Snyder, eventually, if he's forced to sell, he's going to sell for a record sale for valuation of a franchise. Yeah, It, It always ends up being that, yeah, Everybody else, like you finally get the source of these things to go away and you change the way the regime operates in the building. But again, there's not even the same blowback that you want if that one thing that usually speaks to these billionaires in that seat is actually just something they're going to get more of no matter how they act because we're all so addicted to football. So at the very least, you're fortunate now. And again, that player survey is something done by the NFLPA. It's not one player signaling their voice in that locker room. It's not one player that's got to come forward and bear the brunt of this who may not have the security of a Kyler Murray, may not have right. the security of a long-tenured player who the franchise can't part with because they're so good they become infallible. It's this collection of all of them under the flag of the NFLPA that has no problem being at odds with the NFL because that's how they live. You provide this umbrella where you can start to unearth some of this and you see the consistency start to form, right? Like you've got Steve Wilkes who joined the Brian Flores lawsuit alleging racial discrimination in that class action lawsuit because he was fired after a year. And, you know, Wilkes is alleging that he was hired by Bidwell to serve as a bridge coach and that he was the fall guy for failures that were largely attributable to time. You have that. You've got in the NFL survey. I want to read everyone the overview for the Cardinals from this PA survey of the players. The Arizona Cardinals ranked last in their overall score among the 32 NFL clubs. The locker room does not have confidence that owner Michael Bidwell is willing to invest in upgrade facilities as he ranks lowest in that category across the league. The responses that provide the basis for characterization include the worst ranked weight room, the uh, which players feel is a safety hazard, an outdated training room and locker room, and a policy of deducting dinner from players' paychecks should they want to get food from the facility. The consistent sentiment in players' responses that ownership does not provide high quality workplace facilities and that club policies reflect the lowest rate of confidence that current ownership is willing to invest and make those upgrades like treatment of families one of only 14 and this was mina kimes tweet pointing back to this one of 14 teams that doesn't offer a family room one of 11 teams that doesn't offer daycare like the little things that start to add up along the way that are big things that all point back to the same likely source of the problem makes this accusation by Terry McDonough. While we know, again, we got to say allegation, we got to cover all the bases. It's pretty consistent with the other things that we've seen publicly coming out of this organization, which all point back to the top. No, I, I I think you're totally right. It's, it's so depressing that, you know, the consequences are never truly going to be there for these people, as you said, because they'll just, you know, quote, worst case, sell the team, make an unprecedented amount of money because every team will now be sold for more than the team, the last team to be sold. Um, I, I think, I, I guess my point is that I see so much at the top of so many institutions, um, this feeling of, if you have leadership that is tough or that creates this environment of fear and of, you know, it's like the most warped version of what someone could think manly is, it is never successful in terms of what 
you were able to get from the people working there. Um, and I think that it's such a, I don't know. I, I, my dad is, who's in business has talked about this a lot about how there, there's this vibe of the, you know, the macho head of an organization that is almost always toxic. And so to, it's not, it's never a shock, um, to hear that things like this have happened. Um, but man, you know, as you said, when you start piecing all of it together, it's, it's hard to think, I don't know. I, it's the it's whole hard thing, it, to look at this yes. and give them the benefit of the doubt yes. that would come with being a competent organization. Yes. Nothing we've seen from the Cardinals in the last few years has given the impression that there is competence inside that building. And now when competence devolves into accusations of things far more horrific for that, we usually also recognize in these situations that until we get some real deep reporting like we've been fortunate to have in the Washington Commanders situation, we're generally getting the tip of the iceberg we're yes. generally getting the least bad of the truly bad things that have gone on in these cases and that's not to insinuate that's there's more here necessarily but it's just an acknowledgement that with the past is sort of predictive that's usually been the case i also think that there is a certain amount of hubris shown here that billionaires um don't think there are ever going to be consequences um and probably because on the grand you know they're not for their money but the the fact that bidwell can think oh well he kind suspended we'll just get burners and communicate with him that way and that that's just okay that that kind of cheating if this is true is like their mentality is if you're not cheating, you're not trying is so often what it feels like. Um, and I said that last week jokingly about, you know, teams trying to win, but I think that it's actually the mindset of people who have been able to steamroll everything their whole life because they have so much money. Um, and it's just like, when, when it comes out into the public, you're like, oh my God, you really, it's just the rules, the rules don't apply to you is, is really what, you feel is being said. And I think the fact that I look at this and go, yeah, the cheating part of this is the part I care the least about totally. is kind of indicative of that entire of the entire situation. Like when that's the part that also may get you in trouble because it's against the league rules, but you've got all of these other things about employee treatment and the environment you create around there. That's all of a sudden where the smell starts to come in that something really foul is heading our way. So it's it's something to keep an eye on on everybody's radar and. I, I just think I'll be interested to see if we do get the follow-ups on this that start to piece things together, what it looks like as this is going through arbitration and what kind of other things become public. Because like you said, the Cardinals being willing to put so much about Terry McDonough out on State Street in the opening stanza of this indicates that either they're trying to end this quickly or we're just getting started in a way that could reveal a lot more. So that will be what we keep track of with the Cardinals is again, their owner, Michael Bidwell, accused of growth misconduct by former Cardinals executive Terry McDonough to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. And this is one where 
the heat of the public, the heat of the media is going to be important because we know the NFL tends to like to make these things go away pretty quietly (laughs) and try and make sure that we don't get to the rest of the iceberg in a lot of these cases. See the first report and investigation into Dan Snyder that was mysteriously just disappeared and never put Mm. in writing and never made its way to the public. Like That's why people talking about this on big stages is going to be important because people need to know that there is a desire to hear more about this, that people care enough to hear more about this and don't just write this off because we're heading into the NFL draft, which is a very easy thing to do. So the NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Charlotte, why don't we talk a little bit about like a palate cleanser maybe? Yes, on the back let's half do of this. it. Oh my gosh. Um, would you be okay if the Patriots traded Mac Jones? <laughs> I mean, oh God, what a disaster. When I saw the, the tweets come out about like discord or drama in Foxborough, drama between Mac Jones and Bill Belichick where he... I mean, first of all, we've t- I've talked about this before, so not to, you know, I know nobody loves a Patriots fan, but the fact that you bring in two guys who are not offensive-minded in Joe Judge and Matt Patricia to shape what could be your franchise quarterback um, is the most insane thing you could do. And that also shows a level of hubris where it's like, oh, did you not think you needed someone who is trained to do this job, Belichick? Like, did you think you were so omnipotent that like your offensive genius would just trickle down to everybody around you and they'd relay it to the quarterback? It's like, no, Josh McDaniels was there as the offensive coordinator for a reason. He did what he did well. And I think that the report that I found the most fascinating was that Mac Jones had called um, his coaches at Alabama when Matt Patricia was his was the guy he was supposed to be learning from to be like what is going on like help me with this offense that's the most if that's true that's the most damning thing about the entire situation and then that Belichick would get mad about that it's like oh my god just give the guy the support that he needs so I'd be bummed I think I like Mac Jones I think he's you know, I, there's, he's fine. I don't know. I We haven't been able to, as a Patriots fan, I don't feel like I've been able to develop a, enough of a fan-based relationship to him 
because he hasn't been given a fair shake and because of the injuries. And then you have someone, a backup like Bailey Zappi come in and he has his moment in the sun because he's so good. And also because he and Mac Jones might be the same person. And it's all very strange. Like I, I don't feel a whole lot about the situation, except that it would be a real bummer if this is how it ended with Mac Jones, because he simply didn't have the right coach. I feel like the rest of the NFL watching this much instability in New England has to be like almost pornographic. I I mean, I feel like people have because you're right. Like what you just described, we haven't had this at the pivotal spots. The the hallmark of the Brady Belichick era Patriots was the fact that you had these three tent poles in owner, coach, GM, and quarterback that made the rest of what went on under the tent all palatable. You could shuffle bodies in the back end of the roster as needed. You could move on from stars that were coming up on paydays as you saw fit because you always had the spine of this thing taken care of. And now. Even though you've got two of those in order, we've clearly seen how important one can be, especially when it's the only arm of that that's on the field. And so we've cracked that sort of godlike nature of Bill Belichick now to the point where we look at this and go... Man, I understand because there's all the things now that get made about Mac Jones's personality, which I'm sure the same reason that Tom Brady probably at the end was frustrated with Bill Belichick thinking, I've earned the right to not be criticized in the way that you've come at me to set this tone all these years, I'd imagine has to kind of be how Phil, Bill feels now with Mac Jones. If if there is any truth to the idea that Mac Jones is someone who personality-wise was a little bit brash or got peep under people's skin there, this idea that he would push back on them the way they pushed back on Tom for so long, and that would yeah. be a reason to hit the eject button, would be, I think, Alanis Morissette's irony. <laughs> I think it would qualify in that way. I have to tell you, Mike, when I saw a tweet that said, uh, I mean, a headline that said, Bill Belichick is coaching for his job this season, I almost <laughs> fell out of my chair. I was like, Oh, come on, man. Like, what I are mean, we doing? What are, first of all, what are we doing? Second of all, it's so far beyond that. Like, I think that this situation is so unique because we've never seen the kind of success that New England sustained in that time frame um, that they did it for. And so for Bill to, for that to be a headline, first of all, I was like, okay, wow, I never thought I would see the day. But also to have penetrated that steel trap that that New England has so notoriously been, um, I mean, trying to get someone in their PR team to respond to you is like trying to get, um, you know, go to dinner with Taylor Swift. Like when I was at boston.com, it was, it was just, you know, even the local reporters, you're just like, Oh my God, what are we doing? And so I think that to have these leaks too coming out of the building is indicative of, Oh, things aren't stable the way like bill flew too close to the sun. Bill thought that his wings were never going to melt off. And it turns out that his wings were glued on with wax just like the rest of us. So I don't know. He's not coaching for his job, but I, I think that he is in a situation he was not expecting to find himself in in terms of a uh, little bit of volatility going yeah. on. We've, we've ditched the infallibility, which is probably for the best. Like I think for him and Tom, yes. we both saw that eventually things that have been good for so long are going to lose some of their shine. Now, what I will say is Bill Belichick, I I think any talk of his demise is wildly premature. Like, despite all the 
lack issues on offense and the lack of consistency. They finished last year third in defensive DVOA. Like that team was right. a monster on defense for a lot of that year. The offensive line, I think, started to get it worked out by the end of the season. But I think a lot could be fixed by just having an actual offensive coordinator right. coordinate the offense it's really just going to be like because you know they mentioned the obvious elephant in the room which is the las vegas raiders portion of this josh yep. mcdaniels was there with mac jones they obviously have that rapport he came in under them and you know they float some other teams like the titans the washington commanders who could potentially be involved in this the denver broncos even you know if they want to start to create some succession plan because mac jones has the rookie contract he's got two years right. left on that that are extremely valuable to people and if you're the patriots there is something interesting at least i would love the idea of this becoming something leading up to the draft where you're evaluating Mac Jones against the potential quarterbacks in this draft that if you're New England, you could also use this to trade up and maybe even acquire if you want to just hit reset again as you bring back in Bill O'Brien, who also coached Mac Jones during his right. time at Alabama. So, you know, the the simplest solution would be to just let this ride out for one more year. Like, yes. let him get back with an offensive coordinator that he knows, that knows him, and that can get him looking more like the guy that we saw his rookie season, opposite a defense that clearly performed well last year. But the chaotic one that I would support would be them absolutely shopping this option and making the lead up to draft season more interesting okay well as a fan i really like yes i from immediate from a talking about a perspective like yeah bring like all the chaos in the world um from a fan base perspective i would love to see mac out there one more year at least i really i i i just want to see what it should have been you know what i mean like i i want to know if you can you get back to that or but also like is there too much love lost like i don't know what's going on inside that building i don't know what parts of the reports are true or who said what or who feels what about what but i think that bill belichick cannot be an easy guy to play for as we've heard players say um and i think if you get somebody in there to be a little bit of a buffer um because, you know, as soon as I said, like, I don't know if I would feel that much. I'm like, I've become a little fond of the gentleman. You know, I'd like to see I'd like to see him give it Even a go. Even though I still maintain that him and Bailey Zappi could parent trap Bill Belichick. One thousand percent. Nobody's actually ever seen them in the same room. They're never in the quarterback room at the same time. Right. I guess they, they, they in theory populate the same quarterback room, but I don't know that to be true. We've I've never seen them both in there. No one's listen until they put them in a package on the field together at the same time and maximize the use of both their mid-level athletic white quarterbacks. We could never really be too sure of this. It's also you mentioned the things we like come out of there that talk about decision making. Now, it ended up working out because Steve Belichick, Bill Belichick's son, has been a part of some of that success on the defensive side mm-hmm. of the football. But hearing Devin McCourty go on the Greenlight podcast with Chris Long and talk about how when he Steve first got that job, he walked into the defensive meeting room and was like, guys, I'm going to be real. I don't know what the fuck to do in this situation when you've got all of these veteran defensive backs in the safety room that are looking at a guy that's younger than them that just oh got the job God. from his dad. Like, And that's not to disparage Steve as someone who, as I've talked <laughs> right. about, got a job a lot earlier than my experience would have indicated because of a last name and had to go there and try and make the best of it because it's what I wanted to do. Yeah. This is not to shit on him, but it's also just to say that, like, yeah, this ended up working out for Bill Belichick because... He knew his son. He clearly knew that he could go and end up being an asset in this area. But 
at the beginning that had to look like a decision to a lot of the folks inside that building that was a bit of a head scratcher and that's the kind of things that to your point we're hearing out in public more and more now so uh yeehaw in patriots land yeehaw. yeah oh my god listening to chris talk about belichick is one of the funniest things that's exactly who i had in mind when i said you know listening to players talk about playing for him um well, I, I mean, you just had Asante Samuel come out and tweet at Lamar Jackson, you don't want to go to New England, bro. Like, God <laughs> damn. Like, oh my, I mean, I've heard so. I've heard players be like, it's just not fun. It's just not fun. And I don't, and I've, I forget who it was. It might, I, I, and I, so forgive me, but someone was like, I don't know if it's worth winning that way. I remember, I, like what well, that it was that conversation came up when the Eagles won their 2017 Super Bowl because I think it was yes. Lane Johnson that said I would rather win one the way that we did than win multiple the way that they do over there and obviously a lot of people balk at that including people that have never gotten to win one at all but man like I always tell people my best season at Notre Dame was by far in the in real time my least enjoyable because it's so stressful when you're so held hard. to like the standard that gets you to that kind of winning is often so exacting and so all-consuming that you don't get a lot of chances to stop and just enjoy stuff because you're so consumed with the process and it seems like that in New England over and over that for the guys that come there at the end of their career who have lived a life outside of those walls it's got to be pretty jarring and you just bite your tongue bite your lip and grit it knowing it was going to net you a ring on the other side then yeah i think you you must learn a lot about yourself did you learn a lot about yourself in that experience because i i think for me in in moments where something's been really hard or something's been so stressful but it's also what i want to be doing that i'm like it causes a little bit of an existential crisis because you're like, oh my God, what do I value most here? Like, am I trying to um, have an appetite or am I trying to like win at the thing I want to do? And um, I, I just find that 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 sort of fascinating when it's like, okay, how much do you want to win? And usually the answer is I'll do anything, but then you start doing anything and you're like, whew, okay, I see why this is hard. Yeah, I, Jonathan Allen, uh, former Alabama defensive tackle who's in Washington, was on some show, and he talked about that exact thing. He goes, everyone thinks they want to go to Alabama and get all the good stuff that comes with that. He goes, then you get there, and you find out how much you actually want to do this because of what the standard yeah. is down there. And that's they've got that conveyor belt figured out to where you go in and there's no other choice. We learned it on right. the back end. To your question, Charlotte, yeah, I learned probably as much or more about myself in that one year of football than I had in my career prior about what it's informed yeah. so much of how I talk about ball now because of what I learned about what it actually takes to go out there and max out the full volume of your potential get a team yeah. to a point where you can be successful in critical moments week in and week out and get to the point where you stack that many wins and give yourself an opportunity for the prize there at the end like that like for all the people outside that look back at our 2012 season because of how it ended and treat it like it was some sort of anomaly i can assure you that was not like that was where the part at the beginning of notre dame becoming what it became in the last decade plus was like when people talk about you got to learn how to win type thing the things that yeah. the patriots and the alabamas of the world have figured out for those long stretches of time what they can do to replicate winning at a high level over and over again is 
easy to figure out, hard to get everybody to do day in and day out because it is so damn exacting. Like I, I remember, like I remember looking around and texting my buddies that had graduated or gone on. It's like, man, it's a different ball game with how often you're in the facility and how long you're on the field before and after practice and how you've got to monitor your diet differently. Cause in my case, I was losing weight at the end of the season and you feel like your hair's falling out after time. Cause you just don't want to let everybody down. Who's also pulling the rope in the same way you are so i know it's long-winded but it, it really no no it, no it, it 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 teaches you now going forward like the quality in me that i most apply to this job now is just that idea of like you're hammering away a little bit every day like you yep. don't get to make up big chunks it's got to be consistency over time and it's the only way to do shit and that's the part that people don't want to do and if you're yeah. still doing it, then like you have a higher percentage chance of sticking around. Um, I also think that it's just fascinating the um, when we talk about quote how to win, when you talk about what it takes. When you, I, I think to many fans, these are such um, esoteric concepts. They're right. so not connected to the people. And when you think about management or when you when you think about coaching, when you think about taking taking a group of people to the summit of what they're trying to do, what that comes down to is what you're saying, is those daily decisions, is those daily things you have to do, is how you talk to people, it's how you what you expect of people day after day after day. And it's it's such an it seems so like a cloud to people, these these words we toss around. But like to actually see it enacted is such a different thing from talking about it or reading a book on like you know keys to success it's like that's not what this is this is about showing up this is being in the weight room this is figuring out the timing that works best for your players this is like it's all the minutiae that people do not connect to the greater like the championship ring at the end of it. And that's always right. been like so fascinating to me is the idea of people would be like, oh, it's like the Patriot way or, you know, fans chanting like, do your job. I'm like, do you even know what like the job entails? Because you show up on Sunday, but this is really, really hard. Yeah, it, 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 it's so right. It's, it's it's almost maddening insistence on the most mundane shit of all time. Like, yes, it, it's that I think that uh, Bruce Lee line, I, you know, I don't fear the man who's worked 10,000 kicks one time, but the man who's worked one kick 10,000 times, like yeah. that's what you end up becoming. And that's why for so many people over a long period of time, especially when like, no one's going to cut you any slack. No one's going to let you off that Brady basis of even they're, they're going to motherfuck that guy who's done everything <laughs> that he's done. No one's going to be immune to it. And, and that's that's something that again like i was coached the hardest i was ever coached in my life that year i was coached in a way that was not going to let anything slide any day you were going to yeah. sit there and you were going to drill it until you got it absolutely right every time because if you didn't people can get hurt in this game and that's the other reality that just adds that mental stress so it's 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 what's made it work for a long time it's why bill belichick has gotten so much success over a long period it's a lot less fun and at times it's a lot less value on the individual but there's part of me that also recognizes that to win for that long to have a true dynasty you do things in a way that can be deeply unfun and would be not sustainable at so many places because we're human beings and it doesn't feed all of the things that we tend to need in order to be happy look i'll just come out and say it mike tom brady was a system quarterback (laughs) 
<laughs> That's the one we cut and clip here. Um, all right, Charlotte. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Let's get out of here on this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to end the day, including, I think, the most important thing we have to discuss today, which is, it is Peep Week, ladies and gentlemen, here. Now, some of you might call it Holy Week. Some of you might be looking forward to Easter Sunday. Those are all great things. But in this house, we observe Peep Week. Now, Charlotte, I I saw... Everyone, uh, if you don't know, Charlotte's friend, Jessica Smetana, who works over on the Dan Levitard Show, her former podcast mate and workmate, uh, she was pictured by the Levitard Show's account going and hopping on the peep bandwagon. She's a known peeper. I would ask, where do you fall in the, the great peep war of our lifetime? I love peeps. I don't know what's not to... I love marshmallows. I love sprinkles or whatever oh. you call the things they're coated in. I love the crunch of a peep. Um... I once melted peeps and put them on a pizza in 2017 and blogged about it. Um, it was the grossest what? thing I've ever done. It was going around. It was like, I think they made Al Roker do it on the Today Show or something. And so I yeah. did it. Um, and, you know, that's the was kind it, of journalism that I've done in my career. No. Okay. I, I, I was no. making sure. Yeah. No, no, no. It was very, I love peeps. Um, I think that I don't quite understand the hate. Do you hate peeps? No, I love peeps. So like the like, like why, like why are peeps? Uh, yeah, I mean it's. I just don't understand why these things become so divisive. Because candy corn's like fine. It's sugar. See, it's it's the Nickelback theory that people just get told they need to hate something because it's popular and it's easy and accessible and it's a very yeah. distilled down form. Like you said, these candies we're talking about, pure sugar. Nickelback, pure like like very low stakes, dumb rock. And it's awesome. I, it's easy to digest. Can I admit something to you? Yeah. One of the first CDs I ever bought Yes. was Nickelback. Goddamn right it was, Charlotte. And it I rocked bought, out, I bought didn't it? Nickelback and Pink Misunderstood. Couldn't 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 tell you why, but I listened to them on my Sony, my little Sony Discman. Oh, oh and wh- the Beatles won. I mean, I've always been a total freak. You want dynamic? Charlotte is yeah, a chameleon. I've, I've I once range. made a I once made a playlist when the frontman of Nick frontmen of Nickelback and Slipknot were beefing that just alternated Nickelback Stop and it. Slipknot songs, <laughs> and it is a rush of a workout playlist. <laughs> So, You're gonna have to send that to me. Oh yeah, oh we'll, we'll, we'll drop that one for the people. It was uh, quite a t- quite a moment in history. That being said, Charlotte, uh, yes, if you had to rank the holiday specific treats of the world, yes, yes, would you be able to do so? I have my top four ready to go. All right, what do we got? I don't here? know why I did four. Did you tell me to do four? I might have I might have sprinkled four in there as a number. Okay, because I was like, why did I think of four? But it, I was uh, I was mind tricked. Um, also, it's Passover this week, so happy Passover! Happy so Passover! I'm going to celebrate with my family uh, this weekend. There's not a, I mean, I guess that there are these like jelly candies coated in chocolate that some people Ooh. have. 
for Passover, which I find delicious, but um, they didn't make my holiday candy roundup. So I'm just going to take this up. Okay. Do uh, four to one. Four to one works. Yeah. Okay. Number four, sweethearts for Valentine's Day. Wow. Yes. I don't necessarily think like if there's a buffet, if there's a buffet of candy, I'm not necessarily like trying to eat those first. But I do think that they are the most fun to play around with and be like, "Ooh, I got fax me," you know, whatever. Absolutely, I like you that. know what? I had in my haste, I had forgotten about those, and you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. Huge part of, especially the Valentines you give out as a kid. Those are easy to bag up and give out to everybody in class when you do the Everybody yes. Loves Everybody Valentines weeks. I lived for that. I would make homemade Valentines for everybody, and you'd have your little box. And I'd be like, ooh, I hope everybody has a crush on me. Anyway, okay. Um, uh, three. This is going to be controversial. The Cadbury eggs, but not the cream eggs. The ones that come in the little bag that it's milk chocolate and it has that matte candy shell. Do you ooh, know what I'm talking about? Yes. Oh, Charlotte. Not, not the yes. cream eggs, but... But the little, but the little guys with the with the candy coating that are not shiny. Wow. Okay, my mouth is salivating now. What do we got? <laughs> no, me two? too. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, number two is the Reese's um, X uh, Xmas. I wrote X Christmas tree. Uh, when Say I no give more. Brief, when I briefly give my list, Reese's holiday shapes are number one. Yes. They are a yes. triumph of human ingenuity. The only thing that tops up for me is Hanukkah Gelt, which is those uh, gold coins that have chocolate inside. You unwrap them, and there's there are little discs of chocolate, and they're the most snackable oh, candy. Yes. Yeah, they come in a little mesh bag. Those are the greatest. They're so fun to unwrap. They're so fun to eat. They have a nice snap to them. Top holiday candy of all time. What do you call them? Hanukkah Gelt. Gelt, G-E-L-T. okay. G-E-L-T, yeah, like gold. Oh, man, those are sneaky. Like, people are going to talk down on those the way that people will, like, kink shame just a basic Hershey's chocolate bar. But sometimes there's just nice about a flattened piece of chocolate. Give me a flat disc. Give me a flat disc of the good stuff, I always say. (laughs) As Charlotte Wilder is one to say, a flat disc of the good stuff before bed. Give me a flat disc of the good stuff. All right. (laughs) Charlotte's middle school yearbook quote. Give me a flat disc of the good stuff. Charlotte Wilder, my teachers are calling my parents being like we don't know what it means but we think she's in trouble we caught your daughter selling flat discs of the good stuff in the school bathroom <laughs> oh, yeah uh, look i am i am who i am oh my god all right and absolutely an absolutely incredible list I, so I had to start off with peeps at number four. I do feel like they are unique enough. I am one that tends to dry out my peeps. I like to open up the container and let them sit and harden for a little bit. Get a little crunch to them. Okay, that... I see why you would do that. I I like a fresh peep. I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. No, I like them nice and dry and aired out in there. It's a real... It's my... Not to yuck your yum, but... Okay, all right. That... Uh, I like flat discs. You like hard peeps. <laughs> the heart wants what it wants, baby, as does the stomach. Um, number three, uh, candy corn. I get myself a solo bag every Halloween and down that thing by myself. It is one of my favorite things. This is the mixed bag of the also including candy pumpkins that are thick yep. boys that are nice to bite yeah. you off. 
Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't see that coming. I look, I'm not a candy corn hater, um, but it's not on my list. And I, I respect you deeply for not only putting it on your list, but it, it's, it's at number three, it's above peeps. It is above peeps. I, I do think they're better and I can eat more of them. Like peeps, because it's marshmallow based, there's only so much volume I can put in. I understand Expand for the people. That, in your stomach. Yeah, there's just a lot going on right there. It puffs me up. I get a little bloaty. The candy corn just sits there like a lump of like loose volcanic residue in the earth's That's core. Absolutely disgusting. I I'm impressed. Continue. Uh, number two for me is the Cadbury cream egg, actually. Okay. That one. Uh, also receiving votes, by the way, since number one for me is all Reese's Holiday Shapes. I can't choose yes. just one. I think every unique one, the heart on Valentine's Day, the pumpkin on Halloween, the tree on top uh, you know, for, uh, uh, for yeah, Christmas yeah. season, all of them are an incredible peanut butter to chocolate ratio. I do want to shout out the heart-shaped uh, jelly beans that I believe are Starburst jelly beans that my mom buys for Valentine's Day. A jelly bean with a little added ass to it, a little like other cheek, so to speak. An absolute joy. You can eat fistfuls of those and feel great. An added ass, dude, is one of the wildest things I've ever heard. Look, I, I like was going to try it. it. Yeah, look, Mike likes, his, Mike likes the thick candy corn. What can we say? Um, I was going to troll you and just make every single one on my list like... Reese's heart, Reese's tree, Reese's. Ooh. That wouldn't have whatever. been a troll. That would have been a defensible list. Yeah, but like. I thought I'd, I wanted to. I really needed sweetheart center the chat, and I really needed to give Hanukkah gelt its. Uh, what do you call it? Laurels? I don't know. I, you know, what? I, I just learned what gelt was today, and so I'm happy with other words being mixed up because that's a new one in my vocabulary now. Uh, let's get to that uh, and just quickly move past a little bit of NFL news. John Elway is actually like not working for the Broncos anymore. Um, he what's he his doing? Con his consultant contract <gasps> expired at the end of the league year last month, and he had been working uh, for George Payton as a consultant, the new GM, after he yeah. replaced him in 2021, which had to be kind of weird. It's like if your parents got divorced and then your old dad helped your new dad around the house while he got used to you know, being married to your mom. And so that's probably healthy for John Elway, and I'm happy he gets to go do something else now. I think that that probably has happened before. <laughs> a, da a dad that helps a new a dad transition that shit well you know wife swap a little bit but you know yeah wife swap it, but the husband, one guy just stays there yeah husband replacement Hus husband replacement all right but yeah good for john good for john i'm glad he's uh spread your wings and and fly away get some fresh fresh mountain air it, it had to be i i feel like john elway and russell wilson are miles apart in personality and so this is probably healthy in a number of ways for john to not have to hang out with him every day so uh maybe he he'll get invited looked, to the next birthday party who knows yeah maybe i always feel like john elway looked really tired when you saw pictures of him he looked like a weary man <laughs> It aged him presidentially there in Denver as he just tried yeah. to keep drafting someone he saw a bit of himself in, and they all kept failing. And so, any tall, dark-haired white boy, he was like uh, Brock yeah. Osweiler. Brock yep, Osweiler. The Brockweiler. Wow, I miss him. Anyway, yeah, shout out John Elway. 
Exactly. You did enough for that franchise. Rest easy, big dog. They got it from here. Um, Let's get to the third. Charlotte, you were the one that made me aware of this as everyone gets ready for the NFL draft. If you loved Gronk Beach, which I got to taste for the first time this year, Charlotte, you were a veteran of. Travis Kelsey has announced the Kelsey Jam Festival on draft weekend. Obviously, the star tight end for the Chiefs going to be hosting it in the city that he plays in. It's going to have a bunch of musical guests, including Machine Gun Kelly, Rick Ross, Tech nine who's a kansas city local charlotte the real question is are you going to be in attendance doing big j journalism there for the substack as of as of right now no um i was made aware but so i think that the pr people who do gronk beach pr are doing travis kelsey jam are doing kelsey jam pr because i was um offered uh all this information under embargo uh, did not end up doing anything with it. But it, actually, they didn't even tell me what it was. They just said that Travis Kelsey is doing like the biggest thing ever in Kansas City. And I think there are a few things I love about this. One, uh, Travis, go get that money. You know, like ho- host that jam, get that money. I also love that Ball Tin Can. Uh, t- I mean, Ball Tin Cups is one of the sponsor, which is like the solo, the red solo cups, but they're aluminum. Oh, yeah. Those uh, are great, by the way. Those yeah, were at Gronk some. Beach also. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Love them. Um, but I think it's hilarious that Gronk, you know, if the draft is in Miami or Vegas, Gronk's like, sure, I'll throw a beach party. Kansas City, Gronk's like, I think I'm good. And Travis Kelsey is like, I got you, brother. Like, let's go. And um, there's something very funny about that to me. I I... I... Cannot wait to see it. I wonder if Andy Reid's going to make an appearance even on draft weekend with everything he's got going on. (sighs) I want a camera trained on Jason Kelsey, who I'm guessing is going to be there. I would hope is going to be there. He's got a new baby girl, so maybe that's up in the air. But this is a content opportunity. You're in the content biz now, Jason. And so I feel like you got to go ahead and get on that horse and make sure someone's videotaping your interactions at this party. If we don't get a new heights pod from the jam what are I think they, are they even content li- creators i think they said they're doing a live pod in kansas city before the draft so that would indicate okay. jason's gonna be there so you're right this is a content opportunity this is the world they chose now and if you want to have all the fun and accolades you got to be willing to put your hand in the pile and do the dirty work of partying your ass off on draft weekend unapologetically I have, I have a piece of advice for travis travis if you're listening to this I've done, I, I've talked to Travis a bunch in the past. Um, he's always been very fun. Um, one thing that it impressed me the most about Gronk Beach was how generous Gronk was with his time to the fans who had paid to party with him. He would be out there for eight hours dancing on stage, like spraying himself with water. All his brothers show up. His girlfriend, Camille Costick would be there, who's a model and an actress and does, has her own swim line, does all this stuff. They would dance in public for eight hours straight this wasn't like a celebrity appearance where they show up and they're like hey my name's on the party i'm here wave to a bunch he gave everything it was like probably burn more calories than he did ever playing for the patriots so travis if you want to keep this legacy going you've got to leave it all out there on the kelsey jam field because those those people came for you and you got to give them you got to give them the travis kelsey experience 
And I'm going to say this, Donna and Ed Kelsey got to step up. Gronk's dad is always front and center on that stage. Donna got her moment at the Super Bowl. Big Ed, time for you to step up and wear the mantle here. The other person that's on notice right now, and he just came off a wonderful stint at WrestleMania 39, George Kittle. Yes. Tight ends got the markets cornered on this stuff right now. I feel like George Kittle could throw whatever the most rock and roll version of this is possible, and he needs to step up to the plate. So this is just us wanting what's best for him as he continues to grow the tight end you brand. Now. Yes. We. Yes. Yeah. If you thought all of this was the best possible use of your time, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, leave us a five-star rating, and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Check out thewilderthings.substack. Become a subscriber. Read Charlotte Wilder and follow her at thewilderthings on Twitter. Thanks so much, bud. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Boom. Money in the bank. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.